Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that they had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him. The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants and one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, it is difficult to fail and make mistakes. It is indeed very difficult to be in failure. However, what is often more difficult is knowing how others will respond to failures that we have committed, the mistakes that we have made. Will the mistake go unnoticed? Indeed, well, it just kind of passed throughout the day and no one will take notice of it. Will we be called out of our mistakes and drugged through the mud? Will we be given the silent treatment by those who are disapproval, show disapproval against us? How bad will we be punished? Indeed, if it is noticed. Well, to make things even more confusing, it seems as if the world around us is inconsistent when it comes to our failures and mistakes. According to the world, some failures do not seem that big of a deal, which means that you can get away with them on any day of the week. But other mistakes and other failures, well, these mistakes and failures, they may lead to you being on the nightly news as a top story or perhaps fired from your job or losing 
friends and maybe even ending up in prison itself. And so, life can be somewhat confusing when it comes to mistakes and failures. How much forgiveness should be available to one another in this life? Now, the ancient rabbis in the first century, they had it down to limit forgiveness to, get this, just three times. Three times, three strikes with the ancient rabbis, and you would be out just like Major League Baseball. I ran into a mom the other day, and she shared that she had the one-strike policy. Not three strikes, but one strike. The kids would get one warning in which they would apologize, and then with the next infraction, strike one, and they were out. Kids would be out, done, toys taken away, full mommy wrath, no exceptions. Kind of like this mom. Now, Peter, he asked Jesus one time about the same thing. We hear Peter's question in the reading from the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter, he was much more generous than those, yes, those ancient rabbis. He was much more generous than that mom with her one-strike policy. Not one strike with Peter, nor three strikes with Peter, but seven strikes with Peter, seven times. So, That leads us to the question, what is that sweet number of forgiveness? Does the number of times of forgiveness depend on the seriousness of the infraction, though? For example, since the average worker in America fails 128 times per year at work, does that mean that forgiveness should be limited, perhaps, to 128 tiny infractions per year or about 10 mistakes per month? But what about the more severe mistakes and sins of life. Yes, for those more serious mistakes and sins, should it be limited to three, maybe even seven, or should we reduce it down to one? Well, Jesus, he chimes in. He chimes in and answers Peter's question and our question this morning, and he says this, get this, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Yes, not seven times, but 70 times 7. Now, with this answer, you see, Jesus, he is not limiting forgiveness to 70 times 7, but he's showing us something more. In other words, he's not just coming across as being a little bit more gracious than Peter, increasing the ante, if you will. No, Jesus instead is not limiting forgiveness with his number of 70 times 7. He's not limiting this forgiveness, capping it out at 490 mistakes, but rather he is showing that forgiveness is limitless. Indeed, he is not setting a boundary. He's not putting a cap on forgiveness. He's not setting a limit to forgiveness as the world does. He's meaning to convey that forgiveness is limitless. You see, we must keep in mind that the way that the world thinks about forgiveness is quite different than the kingdom of grace. The world generally has a cushion, if you will, a cushion for each and every one of us, a cushion for everybody concerning mistakes and failures and sins. For the most part, the average person can make anywhere from one to seven mistakes at a job and not get fired. Perhaps in your social circles, those that you hang out with, those who you interact with, maybe your social circles and families, you perhaps may have anywhere from one to seven mistakes as a cushion as well. 
a reasonable amount of understanding from those around you as we muddle through this life. But make no mistake, and this is the point, when you and I use up that cushion, we can find that forgiveness and mercy and grace, once that cushion has been used up, yes, once that cushion has been used up, that forgiveness, mercy, and grace, well, they dry up rather quickly. They dry up rather quickly from the world. Now, consider for a moment, consider this, every one of us typically views the sins of our neighbors as bigger than our own sins. We actually downplay the seriousness of our sin. We make our sins small, and we make our neighbors' sins very big. And so by doing this, we give ourselves a lot of leeway, a lot of elbow room in life. But the sins of our neighbors, well, they tend to be much bigger than ours, and so we are quick with our neighbor to let them use up that limit of forgiveness, that cushion, and then we resort to the playbook of the world once forgiveness has been used up. Now that playbook of the world, that playbook of the world, it works like this. Imagine Johnny, for instance. Johnny has had a really tough couple of months. And Johnny has used up that cushion of forgiveness and understanding from his friends and neighbors in his neighborhood. The following week, Johnny drinks a little too much and he smashes his car into a telephone pole near his house. And everyone in the neighborhood, they wake up. It's the middle of the night. They wake up and they see the mess that was created by Johnny, the chaos that he's been creating. Now, because this is the last straw for Johnny, the neighborhood then resorts to the playbook of the world and makes sure that everyone in the neighborhood has an extended finger pointing at Johnny with an accusing condemnation. It's an accusing condemnation. Now, this happens through gossip, obviously. Happens through gossip and conversation on social media, talk on the street, and through neighborhood fellowship gatherings. But you see, it does not stop here. The playbook of the world does not stop with an accusing finger of condemnation. Johnny's sin then is attached and glued to Johnny's reputation. And Johnny is glued to that sin. The sin is connected to Johnny so that in the next 20 years, everyone will know Johnny for the sin that he has committed. Ten years later, perhaps at a community potluck or picnic, when Johnny is brought up, everyone in the group will say, Oh, Johnny, isn't he the guy who smashed his car into that pole? What a stupid drunk. What a stupid drunk. So, once Johnny is accused with a pointing finger and imprisoned and joined to his sin and his sin joined to him, two more things happen for Johnny. Everyone then is quick to punish Johnny for any other infractions that he commits and the neighborhood is agitated and quick to anger with a short fuse with respect to Johnny. There's zero sympathy for Johnny, zero love for him, but hate and apathy and, yes, wrath. This is the way of the world. Now, perhaps we should make this story a little more interesting let us assume that after Johnny smashed his car into that telephone pole that he writes a very, very, very heartfelt letter of apology, a written, handwritten letter to all of his neighborhood individuals, sharing that he has gone through some really rough times and that he is now in AA and very sorry for his actions. Now, perhaps some will show sympathy to Johnny and grant him maybe a third or fourth chance 
But generally speaking, tragically speaking, yes, tragically speaking, once the way the world has had its way with Johnny, it is too late for Johnny. Once accused with a pointing finger, and then once imprisoned and joined to the sin, and sin joined to Johnny, well, what ends up happening is that there's no patience and no love, that people are quick to anger with Johnny, and it's all over. Now, it hurts me to say this as a pastor, but this is the reason why people often move away from particular neighborhoods to new neighborhoods. This is the reason why people many times quit jobs and start new jobs. This is the reason why people will leave a church and join a new church. When we limit forgiveness to a specified amount, and once that amount has been used up, and then once we have gone the way of the world, well, there's no way out. There's no way out. They're imprisoned to their sin, and the only option is to leave. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on you, too. Lord, have mercy on our church. This is not the way of the kingdom of grace. Indeed, it is not the way the kingdom of grace. You see, contrary to the way of the world, Jesus says that there is no limit on forgiveness in the kingdom of grace. But let us be careful not to assume too much at this point. You see, the kingdom of grace is not a kingdom of tolerance. Tolerance is not a biblical term. It is not a biblical concept, but it comes straight out of the playbook of the world. You see, when the world is not condemning and accusing and imprisoning people in their sins, well, the world does the opposite. It simply tolerates sins or perhaps even celebrates sin. But my friends, neither of these has anything to do with the kingdom of grace. Dear baptized saints, the kingdom of grace is not content. It is not content to turn a blind eye to sin or celebrate sin, for that accomplishes absolutely nothing. It does not accomplish anything at all, except to leave people floundering in their sins, stumbling in darkness. And the kingdom of grace also does not call out sin to run the playbook of the world. The kingdom of grace is not about calling out sin to imprison and accuse a person for eternity, to put them under our thumb. But rather, the kingdom of grace is about pardon and forgiveness. It's about patience and compassion with respect to sin and sinners. And so what this means is that the church, yes, the church is that one place, is that one place where we Christians gather neither to celebrate our sins nor share sin to be condemned for eternity, but we gather together to share our sins. No, I should say we gather to confess our sins so that we might be forgiven and pardoned. This is what the kingdom of grace is all about. You and I come to this church to confess our sins so that we might hear together the pardoning words of Jesus there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for you and me in Christ Jesus. You and I confess our sins to hear that Jesus has not glued you and me to our sins for eternity, but separated you and me from our sins and our sins from us. Jesus separates you from the condemnation of sin because he connected himself to your sin and pulled your sin into his death at that cross. And the most beautiful news that you and I can hear. This forgiveness and pardon for sinners 
is available week after week after week. No limits, no grace held back. As, I, as often as people gather into this sanctuary, into this place together to confess sin, well, the Lord is compassionate and patient to pardon and to forgive us of all of our sins because there's always more forgiveness in Christ Jesus than there are sins in you and me. And what is even more beautiful news, what is even more grand, as forgiven and pardoned sinners, you and I are not only recipients of unlimited grace, but we're also freed to forgive those who sin against us. Only forgiven people can forgive. And so, dear friends, as you continue in this life, you will certainly be tempted to go the way of the world But remember, the world will only let you be defined by the sins that you have supposedly not committed or have committed, which makes you either a smug jerk or a shamed loser. But this is not the kingdom of grace. In Christ's church, you are neither a smug jerk nor a shamed loser. The kingdom of grace defines each and every one of you for the forgiveness of the one that has given you, Jesus Christ. And so you are forgiven, baptized saints. Hear that now. Don't let that escape your ears. Hear that now. You are forgiven, baptized saints. Do not let go of that truth and that promise. And when you come back to this church week after week after week, my friends, confess boldly. Confess your sins boldly, not under condemnation, or celebration, but stand together shoulder to shoulder, confess your sins boldly, and boldly hear the forgiveness and the pardon of Jesus Christ for you for all of your sins. And not only that, as you leave this church and as you depart through these doors, confess your sins boldly to each other. Forgive each other even more boldly in Christ. For you belong not to the world, but the kingdom of grace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The The Lord Lord bless and keep you. you.